Welcome to the Speakeasy Noir Cast, a podcast discussing film noirs of yesterday and neo noirs of today. Each week, we're going to deliver a discussion of our analysis of classic noir films, and occasionally we'll interview up and coming directors and writers of new neo noir films, all mixed in with our unintelligible banter. Your hosts for the show, Jason D. Morris and Carly Street. Okay, Houston, we don't have a problem any longer. Depends on who you ask. Well, yeah, right now. <laughs> I hit record. Okay, uh, so Carly, it's been a long time since we spoke. Uh, last movie that we covered was the amazing FBI propaganda <laughs> film, The House at 92nd Street, or the, yeah, right? Yeah. The House at oh, God. <laughs> the FBI at 92nd Street. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, at least now we know how to be recruited by the FBI how to botch a spy ring mm-hmm. and how to screw up our credentials. Yep. Take a drink. Right. Take a drink. Right. Oh, that's right. <sighs> <laughs> but speaking of drinks, I've got a great one for today that goes along great with the film that we're going to be watching. Okay. All right. So this is a super easy one and you're going to love it because there's no mixers there's no vermouth there's no uh bitters changing of like ice noise soda water there's no ice noises there's no nothing and you're gonna love it okay is it just a can (laughs) of cause or a bottle of gin it's no it's neither Um, of those it's neither of those but it's simple all right and because in this movie as i'm sure we'll talk about later all you need is some bourbon. Okay. Okay. So, our drink for tonight is a bourbon and a bourbon backer or chaser. Okay. So that's a double bourbon. Nice. Right. All right. So you're gonna have your shot of bourbon, and you're gonna have your shot of bourbon chaser. Two separate glasses. <laughs> so, two separate glasses, right? <laughs> Sufficiently drunk tonight. Nice. <laughs> I like this. This is my favorite. Yeah. This is a good one. This is a, it's easy, simple. No changing of the ice noises you have to listen to. No, because we've got the soundtrack. That's right. No crazy mixers for you Brits. Uh, it's all pretty simple, nice. straightforward. Um, and it's going to get you... How, how would you say it properly? What, what hammered. Would you say? What's the British term? Hammered? Okay, hammered. that works, yeah. Properly hammered. Properly bollocksed, maybe. <laughs> For those for those Bullocks. that don't mind a bit of liberal swearing. <laughs> Smashed. Smashed. Oh, ow, my deep heat's wearing off. My what? deep heat. Ow. Did your Do you not pepper? have deep heat over there? I don't know what it is. You gotta you explain like, to me first. You spray it all over, like, your mu- if your muscle hurts or whatever, you spray it all over it and then it burns the crap out of your skin so your muscle doesn't hurt anymore. No, we have like a Ben Gay or something like that for old oh, people. Oh, maybe I need some of that. I'll take the old, I'll take the old people's spray. No, it's not really for old people. 
It's just for your muscles are hurt. Well, well my yeah. muscles hurt. That's why I'm covered in deep heat and like high off the fumes. It's wearing <laughs> off now because I just moved my shoulder and it hurt. <laughs> All right, let's get back on track. This is gonna be hell to edit. <laughs> All right, here we go. Uh, so enjoy your bourbon and bourbon chaser. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Bourbon while we for two. Uh, watch the trip, bourbon for two or one. <laughs> <laughs> while we check out the trailer for this awesome film that we're going to be talking about today called The Blue Dahlia. and straight shooting to get out of. He's wanted by the police. He's wanted by a murder gang. And he's very much wanted by Veronica Lake. You've never seen me before tonight. Every guy's seen you before. Somewhere. The trick is to find you. William Bendix as Lad's best pal. You think we're going to help you tie a murder to a guy who's flown us through 112 missions? You're off your nut. They haven't accused Morrison of murder so far. No, what's holding you up? Johnny, don't you realize you're in danger here? That isn't what worries me. I came here to do something. But you fixed that too. Johnny! So long, baby. Hold it. Give it to her. Wise guy, huh? So that was the trailer for The Blue Dahlia, a 1946 film. Uh, it's classified as a crime film and a film noir. It's directed by George Marshall, and it's based on an original screenplay 
by the infamous Raymond Chandler. Um, and before we get too far into that, Carly, if you could please give the audience your in a nutshell synopsis. I don't know if you'll appreciate this one, but I probably won't. Well, but we'll see. Hope not. Every time, hold on, hold on. Every time you irritate me, you're gonna have to take a shot. Go up, up, up. Okay. Properly. Do, do you mind game. just doing the, the podcast on your own then, while I'm on the floor asleep? Well, I, I figured I'd be less annoyed. Win-win. <laughs> 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 kidding. I, I'm, I'm a jerk. Yeah. No, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you're not anything. kidding, and you're worried that I am going to drink myself into oblivion and sleep. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> No, I can't do this on my own. <laughs> Scratch that idea. <laughs> All right, uh, go ahead. Super famous Carly in a nutshell. Okay. When the world's most horrible wife is murdered, the world's nicest tough guy sets about catching her killer and failing miserably. All right. No, I mean, that's all right. It, it doesn't have quite the pizzazz of, you know, uh, would, you, <laughs> of, would you say Van Of days Damme gone or, by. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Terminator on the last one, you know, I don't know. Yeah, well, I couldn't think of a nice, tough guy. A nice, yeah. tough guy? Oh, I mean, John Wick? Yeah, but I'm not allowed to mention Keanu Reeves. Well, don't mention Keanu Reeves, mention John Wick. <laughs> you brought it up. He is John Wick. Oh, okay. Well, Indiana Jones, he's a nice, tough, nice, tough guy. Not uh, uh, Carly Stone. Uh, All right. <clears throat> I guess it's serviceable. It works. It, it works. works. Um, I was interested. Uh, I thought it was interesting to find out that this was Chandler's first original screenplay. Um, obviously synonymous with uh, Tough Guy P.I. and film noir stories. Um, you know, Bogart's done a lot of Chandler type stuff and whatnot. And um, I, I really liked the blue Dahlia. I saw it many years ago and had never heard of it and just kind of picked it up and, you know, watched it and enjoyed it. And, um, but one thing I did notice is watching it on this time around, um, it was really different to me. I, I really felt like there was more in this movie that took place in the Blue Dahlia Club. <laughs> and there was like, Nothing no. that took place in the Blue Dahlia Club. No. And and so my memory is like so skewed from that. Um, it was really weird. I kept I kept waiting for that stuff to happen. I'm like, what am I? I must be remembering other movies that have scenes in clubs, you know, um, because it just it never really happened. No, there's only like one scene, wasn't there, towards the end where they were in the club and then they went in the back office. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't even really in the club. So I think, yeah, I really think there's really only one scene in the club, but. It was it was interesting to to rewatch it again. I still enjoy it quite a bit. Um, maybe not as much as I remembered, but I still really like the film a lot. Um, and it also goes very much in line with a few other films that we've watched, touching upon, you know, a little bit of the PTSD and the soldiers coming back from the war and that sort of thing, um, which I I found interesting. Yeah. As well. um, this is much more noir and much more. Um, darker, I guess I would say, um, because, you know, the, the more personal you get with these stories, the darker that they get. Um, and they really, this is a very personal film, but not just to the lead, which 
you know, was another interesting little thing. It's also personal to just about everybody really involved to the movie. Oh, can can we just give a special shout out to Buzz? What a legend he was. Yeah. Poor Buzz. He's great. He was brilliant. Yeah. He really was. He yeah, was my it's, it's a great character. I would agree with that. I think I think Buzz was a great character. Um, I thought the actor portrayed him pretty well. Um, it was, <laughs> you know, when they first get off the bus, and I, I didn't really know what the hell we were getting ourselves into because you know it'd been a while since I watched this, and I really didn't remember um, large portions of it, such as when they get off the bus, they go to the the bar there. You got the soldier over at the um, uh, jukebox playing the music, and Buzz just goes. You know, he just goes mad. He's he just, just goes batshit <laughs> crazy. Yeah. And I'm like, what? and then he's like, see that plate in my head? You know, all these kinds of things is just like, oh, my God, this guy. So he's fighting his own kind because he's been wounded and now he's not the same kind of person. There's like a lot of depth to those little pieces of the story um, <clears throat> that I thought they handled pretty well. And then at the end of that the soldier gets into a fight with kind of like, Hey, I didn't know. Sorry. Yeah. You know, and, and leaves. And I thought was, that was, that was really excellent. That was a, a great way that Chandler pulled that stuff off. And what a lovely best um, friend he is. I wish he was my best friend. Oh yeah. He's a fant. Yeah. Super loyal. Yeah. Everybody needs a friend that's yeah. that loyal. I mean, this guy would do anything and that kind of bugged me at the end because we'll get there eventually, but uh lad's character kind of blows him off in a way in, into that loyalty, you know, because I guess it's one of those things where it's like, well, you know, I didn't do it and you didn't do it. So don't say things mm. like that kind of thing. Even though this guy is like going to cover for him no matter what. Um, I don't feel like uh lad's character really appreciated that level. No, of we didn't. No, we didn't seem to. Yeah. And that, not, that irritated me a lot. Yeah. And I mean, as cool as Buzz was and for he's he's the guy you call when you do kill somebody to help you yep. go bury the body. Yep. That's him. Right. Because A, you won't um, remember it. Whatever they've. And B, he'll probably do it for you. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about yeah. the memory thing, but yeah, I yeah. guess that's a good idea. He, good won't, he won't remember that you called him. And secondly, he, he'd probably like do all the hard legwork for you anyway. Right. <laughs> and then he'd probably take you for a double whiskey chaser afterwards. Right. Win-win. Which is not a bad thing. <laughs> if you're if you're a murderer, obviously. Yeah. Now I was I I I got the feeling, and I'm not sure, but I got the feeling when he would call the music monkey music that that was some sort of derogatory. Yeah, I swear. wasn't sure with that because he kept saying monkey music and it was the same type of music. And I yeah. also Got that. I just wasn't sure if it was because the music is like, you know, big band kind of jazz, you know, eclectic sort of yeah. thing. If it was, or whether it was something that he heard in the war or something like that in a particular place that he was. I don't know if that was sort of like the derogatory term for it or what it was. Like, and I wanted to do some research on that to kind of figure that out. But there was like, there's, it just made me really uncomfortable every time that he would yeah. say it. I couldn't really figure out why. And it even seemed like some of the other characters like would look at him funny when he would say that. Yes. I picked up on that. It kind of, whenever he said that word, because that was his trigger, wasn't it? He always said that. Yeah. They kind of like, like, oh, don't. Or, oh, God. Yeah, don't say yeah, that. What are you talking I about? Felt, you know, kind I of felt thing. the same. It made me... But maybe that's the point of it, that it makes you uncomfortable because that's where his mind, I don't know, that's right. where his mind's gone. Yeah. 
So I want to check that out and I, I want to, um, I didn't get a chance to really look, look into that on here, but that was, I, it, it, if it was something that's deemed like derogatory at the time, or maybe even still, I don't know. I thought it was so effective because you noticeably can see the other characters yeah. like, Hey dude, don't say that <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> you know? Um, cause you know, everybody's got that friend that talks out of line sometimes and you're like, dude, you yeah. know, calm down. You're kind of embarrassing to be around, you know, don't say things like, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. They were always very apologetic for him, weren't they? Like, Oh, don't mind him. Mm -hmm. You get it back in your box sort of thing. Shut up. Right. <clears throat> and, uh, so, I mean, there's so many effective things that, that he did with the screenplay in that respect. Um, that once I started my research and learning that how this screenplay came about, um, just made it more intriguing to me. Um, knowing that it was his first original screenplay, not based on one of his books, but finding out that it was supposed to be a book, one that was, you know, didn't happen because he couldn't figure out the rest of it and thought it would just work better as a movie. Then finding out that his he had a first draft that was greenlit and then the rewrites weren't finished uh, when they started shooting. So they started shooting without a finished script per se. Well, they had a finished one, but it was just a, it was short pages, I guess. So they had four weeks of shooting that they had did and they ran out of pages. And uh, so Chandler uh, had writer's block. He couldn't, he couldn't, finish the movie um so the studio i guess circumvented the director and producer and went direct the channel's like hey we want you to finish this let's let, we'll give you a five thousand dollar bonus but you got to finish it you got to get this done so we can keep shooting and that sort of broke chandler in a way it made him doubt himself because it was and he also felt I guess, guilty or dirty or didn't like the idea that he felt like he was being bribed to finish it as if he wasn't going to, like he was holding it hostage or something like that. When it wasn't the case, when he truly had writer's block and just couldn't figure out the ending of the movie. I might start doing that to you. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to write like a first draft or like half a first draft. That's just mind blowing. And you'll be like, yeah, let's film it. And I'll be like, ah, I can't finish the rest of it. <laughs> um, I feel like we did that with Dark Winter. Or... <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, uh, <laughs> can't tell me last one right now. <laughs> oh, what's that? You need 10 pages by tomorrow? What, what, what's that going in my bank account? That <laughs> <laughs> might work. What's that? You've got Keanu Reeves in your basement. How many pages do you need? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, you could try. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, that's 90% of my writing life. I'll write 45 pages or something. It's half decent. and go, I don't know what else is happening, Jason. You finish it. <laughs> <laughs> and then complain about how you finished it afterwards. Oh, I didn't like that actor. I didn't want that person. Oh, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, change that. Do this different. Because <laughs> I, I read some of the, uh, did some research about like how he, did, he hated some of the actors that were in it. Well, I think it was mainly the actresses. Um, yeah. So that's, I feel, I feel like he might be my spirit legend. That's like, couldn't be bothered to finish it. <laughs> well, you know, speak, speaking of that, the, the, like the biggest detail of that whole scenario is the fact that I guess Chandler had quit drinking and because of this movie, oh no, it started him drinking again. Cause he went 
Yeah, he so he went to uh I believe it was George Marshall, the director, and was like, if you want me to finish this, the only way I can do it is if I start drinking again. Wow. Um and it's really sad to like hear the recounting of this story because he's like, oh, Well, you nice. do what you gotta yeah, do. Yeah, you of crack thing. on love. And be an alcoholic yeah. just so I can have my ten pages. So Wow. Yeah, I mean, and that's exactly what he did. He he went back to drinking and he finished the script. But that's not the end of the story, though. So he uh, Chandler wasn't exactly worried about the drinking, he said. He said it was more about stopping the drinking and getting back to normal. He said that was what scared him the most was he would lose what normal was, which, I mean, yeah, classic alcoholism, right? I think he's just scared he couldn't stop, basically. Um, so it was really, you know, sad to read that and and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, especially if you've got somebody there that isn't doesn't really care if you stop or not. Well, that's the thing. I think I think Marshall cared, but there was so much at play with the studio going behind his back and Chandler's pride and feeling like he was being bribed by the studio that it got him to a point where he didn't think he could finish it because of those elements. Mm. So in order to, to overcome that in order to finish it, he really felt the only way to do that was to go back to drinking, um, which I can understand that. Cause that's a lot of pressure and that's a lot of guilt that you're putting on yourself. Um, otherwise he would probably just walked away from the project. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that also led to another issue when with his original ending versus what the studio would allow him to do, because as you said, one of our favorites in the movie is buzz. Okay. Because buzz will do anything for his buddy. Okay. Um, Johnny was, I don't know if he was his sergeant or, you know, I mean, you get the feeling like he was the guy that ran the platoon and yeah, you know, they would just do anything for him because he kept them alive, whatever it might be. Um, so buzz was a very pivotal character and in the original script, um, spoiler alert for everybody out there, if you haven't watched this, so you might want to turn this off and go watch the film, but buzz was originally supposed to be the killer. So the old blackout scenario and um, him meeting up with Johnny's wife, um, he was initially supposed to be the killer. But the studio, who I guess had the Navy included in on this, maybe as a consulting or whatever it might have been, would not allow them to have that ending. Wow. Because it looked it frowned upon the Navy. It made it look like they were sending people back that were broken, whatever it might be. Um, so they were like, no, you can't have that. You need to change the ending. And that's the reason why the ending got a little convoluted and was different. Oh, because the whole buzz being the killer was set up so perfectly and so tragically. Right. Yeah. And, and then, then it was just like a totally 360. Oh, it Almost felt like a theater play. Yeah. Oh, we've just walked out. Never mind. It was your guy. Bye. <laughs> yeah, and and that's and and I, you know, I didn't mind the idea that the old that the uh, uh, building manager, whatever you want to call him, was the killer in this. Like it, that didn't bother me because I do think Chandler sufficiently set up motive and reasoning behind it. Like his skill level at 
putting that together, I thought worked very well. The problem is, is that you can see in this version of script, like I feel like he needed yeah. more time to, to smooth it out, to, to have buzz set up and then, uh, you know, portray that he's the killer and then have that twist ending of it being the building manager um, needed to be smoothed out a little bit more. And had he had more time, I think he would have been able to do that because I think both of those options were great. And I think buzz being a red herring um, would have been great, um, but also great as the actual killer too. Um, I, I just, I think that there was a lot of opportunity for Chandler to be able to work with both of those ideas, given more time. But the fact that the studio was worried about um, Alan Ladd getting called back into active duty because he was he, he he was in the military and he had been honorably discharged uh, for some sickness or something they had gotten. Um, but then he uh, they were like on the fence about bringing him back. Um, the studio was worried that he was going to get called back in and they were going to lose him as one of their contract players. So they really were pushing for a new film to put him in before he got called back. So I think there was a lot of pressure there on Chandler and Marshall and, you know, everybody involved really at the time. And eventually Alan Ladd did not get called back in. Um, so that really, you know, that really sucks basically. I mean, you know, I think Raymond Chandler for being his first original screenplay probably could have made this an, you know, an amazing film given the proper time yeah um without the falling back on the drinking and all that nonsense you know um so that that's you know that's sad to to hear about and to to learn but at the same time i still think that what he did create was pretty damn good um and i think that uh, it just it goes to show how creative and how intricate he is in his plotting and his characters and how personal he can make things um, because like I said earlier, I, I really feel like the the way that he wrote this screenplays, he, he really makes the story personal for everybody involved, even the bad guys, even the people that you don't like um, and and the uh, the minor characters, um, which I hate calling like Buzz a minor character, but he's not the star of the film. But, um, you know, being a co-star, really like all these characters, he really makes it very personal for him. Yeah. So, hey, Carla, let's take a break real quick and talk to our listeners about our sponsors. All right, guys, we're back and we're going to keep talking about this film. I do. Um, I love Veronica Lake. I think she's great. Um, I, I was surprised to hear that Chandler did not like her in this. Like he is very outspoken and did not care. I can't remember the quote he said about it, but it was I can't remember what he said, but it was like. Have you got it there? <laughs> I've got it here. If you want it. Well, I I have um I have what he calls her. So he he had an intense dislike for Lake. Uh because he just felt like her performance was super flat and the only time that she was good in the movie was when she kept her mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> and he referred to her as Moronica Lake. <laughs> Veronica Lake, that's the one I was thinking of. Yeah, and that's that's I I think she's great, um, but she never read Chandler's work. So apparently, when they were doing press for this film, what she did is she went to the studio's, I guess, uh, press 
people and got some recordings or their write-ups of Chandler. That was all PR stuff. And she listened to what their, their write-up of Chandler was, which was just basically like, you know, uh, propaganda for, for Chandler. Um, and so when she would do interviews and stuff, she could speak to his career and what ultimately makes him a good writer and all that kind of stuff. And I think that that sort of, uh, created some dissonance between the two and, and also he's, he just didn't care for her in, in the film. Um, which, and in honesty, I, I think that she was very flattened compared to some other stuff that I've seen her in, but I didn't hate her. I didn't think she was bad. No, no, I didn't think she was bad, but I think a lot of that boils down to the fact that the wife is just horrible. Horrible as far as the acting or horrible as far as what she does well, in the film? Her, her character is awful. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really... I don't know. I don't like to criticize acting because I'm not an actor, but personally, I didn't enjoy her time on screen at all. I didn't like her character, but I've seen a lot of bad characters that I've been interested to watch. And I really wasn't. I was just waiting for her to get shot because clearly from the synopsis, she's the one getting shot. I was just waiting for her to get shot. (laughs) No, I was. I, you know, I didn't find her... Like I, I hate, I hate what she did to him. Like, I don't think that that's a good way to be. You're married, that sort of thing. But I try to understand in the same way that the man that she was seeing understood it, where he was like, you know, you never knew if you were going to see him again. He's been gone, but now he's back. We need to stop this. You know, as detestable as the guy that owns the Blue Dahlia might be, he wasn't an awful person. Um, So I kind of looked at her character and what she did in the same way that he did. And the fact that at that time during World War II, there were soldiers going and never coming home. And I can only imagine how hard that might be on a married relationship yeah i know but she got drunk and killed a kid so i mean well yes yes and i I, and that's horrible okay well it's a horrible thing that happened also looking at the 40s and there was a lot less regulations in terms of cars and things like that and her mind state her husband's gone to war i i you know i try to factor all that kind of stuff in i i definitely don't think that he should have stayed with her or anything like that but I'm just trying to say that I like put my my mind in her position, you know, like to try to kind of see what she's going through. Yes, it was everything she did was terrible. It was terrible. But I don't think she was a lost cause either. I don't think that like she deserved to die. No, I don't. Well, nobody deserves to die, really. But I well, mean, I felt like when she was throwing <laughs> herself around the room, wailing, and I just... I don't know. I didn't. She's broken. I, you know? Yeah, She's but broken. again, I've seen other other characters and other actresses do similar and do less irritatingly. So I don't know if that boils down to the fact that I okay, really, so really dislike the character, or whether I just do not really appreciate the actress in that particular performance. I'm feeling like it might be the actress, but. I do have a little bit of information for you that might have lended to the reason why that happened. Oh, okay. Okay. So, um, and forgive me, I cannot remember her name. Um, well, that's a good start. <laughs> um, most horrible wife in the world. 
Oh, uh, sorry. Uh, Doris was her name. That's what it was. Doris Dowling. Okay. So I believe that the reason why that a lot of that throwing herself around the room was because she was about a foot taller than Alan Ladd was. And he was irritated because he's a leading man. And at the time, you know, that was like a big deal. Um, and you couldn't have uh, your female counterpart, you know, tower over you. It would, it would, it would minimize him. It would dwarf him basically. So it was a, um, you know, chauvinistic uh, pride sort of thing that he threw a fit about because she was taller. So that forced Marshall, George Marshall, the director to block her and stage her in a way that didn't dwarf him on stage on set. Okay. That meant she had to throw herself down on the couches and beds and all that kind of stuff and, and block them farther apart so that they could, uh, you know, put the camera angle in a way where he appears taller. Um, and I, I believe that a lot of her performance was dictated by that, unfortunately. Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's more understandable for the pattern. Yeah. And I think it's really because her, it did, it did play almost like she was overacting in parts, um, because of that. Um, but I, I, I'm certain that had a lot to do with it. Um, and also her as an actress trying to portray a woman who is broken. I thought she came off pretty well. Um, doing the things she did. Like, I don't condone anything. Like everything that she did, I fucking hate. I detest um, that dude. I mean, I, that's at a point where I'm okay. With that dude like smacking the crap out of her. Like everybody coming up to the door being like, Hey, you're going to treat your wife that way. I'm like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, he did play sounds... the holier than thou card very well. Didn't he? Let's face yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you know what I mean? Like she did some, she killed their kid. You know what I mean? Like I'm not, saying like he should beat her or anything but i mean that at least deserves a single smack across the face for not telling him i mean that's just horrible um well no it's not it's actually not horrible that she didn't tell him when he was in the war that's not horrible it's the fact that she told him the day he came back after he'd seen a snogging somebody else in a party full of lunatics and went oh by the way i killed our child that's the bit that's fucking horrible. Well, yeah, I guess my level of horribility, <laughs> like, like, I that think went that was right that out was the window our... for me. I was like, just shoot her, just shoot her. I hope you shoot her, and I hope you get away with it. <laughs> yeah, it was already horrible. That was like beyond horrible to me. Yeah, <laughs> that was just that like was just <gasps> evil. Yeah, it really was. It really was. Evil. But it, but again, I like look at it like, well, she's really really fucking broken like her care and that's why i didn't mind her acting like i thought if somebody is that broken to do that kind of stuff like they're gonna be erratic yeah, they they're are gonna, gonna be very up and down and very out the box off the nut yeah it, and and so i thought she did that pretty well like I, I didn't i didn't find a flaw really in her performance can i just say though the drunk woman at the party stole the show <laughs> the one that likes uh our lead character John. yeah she, that, yeah. I mean, that is, if anybody's curious, that's me at a party. Just like, oh, look who's here. Everybody come and have a look. Who wants a drink? I don't care if you want one. Let's go. Let's have a drink. Who's this? Carly's just, just wanting to marry whoever walks yeah. through the door. <laughs> oh, street. you've got, oh, that's a bit like, that's, oh, you look a bit like Keanu Reeves. Let's go and have a shandy. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> 
This this movie did have two lines in it that I loved, though. Seems I've lost my manners. Or would anyone here know the difference? And then there was another line that was repeated. You've never seen me before tonight. Every guy's seen you before, somewhere. The trick is to find you. There, there was definitely a few moments in there where the the dialogue I just thought shined pretty well for for Alan Ladd's character. I mean, he was so nice, the drunk one. Bless him. He was just like, okay, love, see you later. Yeah, he handled it pretty well. He did handle um, it well because I'm, I'm just so that everybody knows. I don't try and marry everybody at a party because I have a husband, <laughs> eleven years strong. He loves me, but don't ever ask him the truth. Um, but I just want to be best friends with everybody. So people that I absolutely <laughs> detest, if I am off my nut at a party drunk, I'd be like, oh, I've always loved you. You're so wonderful. Let's be friends and talk about our past life for the past 20 odd years. Yeah. I mean, then that's... Even though it, and then I invite them around for like dinner and shit. And in the morning, streets going, you invited so-and-so around for dinner. You know that, right? Oh, crap. <laughs> Why did I do that? Why didn't you stop me? And he's going... Thought it would be funny. <laughs> oh, like actually come and then and then you see that message. Are we still on for barbecue or whatever the hell it is? Oh God, how do I say no? I hate you. <laughs> I think we've all been there, but you know what? That's when you got to start drinking again, so that's okay when they yeah, show up. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's my life cycle. Just making friends with, and I always make friends with the weirdo as well. You know the weirdo that oh, everybody's yeah. avoiding. That is the person for some reason that I toddle off to and go. Have you got a lighter? <laughs> That's good, though, because those are the people that have hard times mingling. Yeah, I know, but then they never leave and then they end up getting arrested. Or That's the weirdo that gets arrested or something like that. Or has a bird in the pocket or something. I don't know. A bird in the pocket? Oh, don't. <laughs> right, when we had the pub, we used to have a bloke that come in. And he, he, was, he was a little bit, a little bit out there, shall we say. And he came mm. in one day. And he pulled the fucking baby chick out of his pocket. <laughs> and I swear, I'm not, I'm not, I swear to God, I'm not lying. He pulled out a baby chick out of his pocket and asked for a beer for it. He's <laughs> trying to trade for <laughs> it. Extreme, like, I don't think you should have that. <laughs> oh, I love it. Because <laughs> you can't really take care of yourself. So I don't know A, where you've got this from and B, why you have it and C, how you haven't crushed it in your pocket already. <laughs> well he's not a monster he's taking care of it well, no i know but when he's showing it to us it's like crushed in his hands it's like oh okay i don't know if the oh. chick can breathe <laughs> can, we, can we see it that's funny well you know this movie is supposedly one of the most popular films or was the most popular film at the british box office in 1946 so i'm surprised that I don't hear more about it because of that and because it won an Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay, which I thought was awesome. Yeah. Because I, I, I seriously think Chandler did a, did a great job on this, and I, I, I do feel like it could have been better, but under the circumstances, I still feel like it was it's a really good movie. Um, so I, I, I loved seeing that it, that it won an Academy Award. Um, and that it was top box office in, you know, in the UK at the time. Um, and I don't hear a whole lot about this movie. Uh, occasionally I see somebody like post about it online somewhere or there. Um, 
but it doesn't get uh, as much love as like some of the other Chandler stuff or stuff based on his books. I do have to say what I liked about it the most was, uh, you know, in this in this situation where you have, you know, the murderer and the potential killers and then you have the cop. Mm -hmm. This has to be one of the smartest cops. One of the smartest cop characters in film noir. Yeah, he's not hot headed. No, like he, he's not he, hot headed. He's not yeah. stupid. He's not, he doesn't, he's very switched on and very, from the first time you see him, he's very, he's, he's cogs are turning. He's got stuff rolling. Yeah. And I, I think that's some of the brilliance of Chandler because he, he focuses where he's supposed to focus. He focuses on the lead characters and doesn't give us a whole ton of insight into the cops investigation. And, and, but when he does, he lets you know that like, you know, the cops, like they're not dumb. They kind of get what's going on and the characters are just making their lives worse for themselves because they're caught up in it. Yeah. You know, and I think he does a really great job portraying that. Um, and, and I, I do have that sort of like love hate relationship with films and TV that, they usually only take one stance or the other. Either the cops are stupid or the cops are overly smart. Um, you know, there, there, it's rare that you kind of see the ups and downs and, and kind of the real reality to it and how evidence really works and, you know, interrogating witness, things like that. It, 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 it's rare that you really see it played out the way it normally is in real life. But Chandler, I think, did a great job focusing where it needed to be focused on and and like i said earlier making it personal for each of the characters even the cops even though we only get a certain glimpse at what they're feeling or thinking at the time like you you it's 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 enough it's enough of the right thing to see i do have to say though this might win the award for most idiotic moment in a film noir oh tell me what it is Pulling over and stopping for a random stranger that might be a serial killer that actually turns out to be wanted for murder. You know what? That's literally the only problem I have in this movie. Not that she pulls over for him, though. And then and then the same guy getting into a random car with two random men that may or may not be gangster serial killers. Well, OK, so let's go back to Veronica Lake's character picking him up. OK, so. Had had that felt more random, had she not been married to the club owner, I would have been okay with that. Because, I mean, people do that stuff all the time. Yeah, I, I can understand in her mindset with everything that's gone on. She's kind of in a she's kind of in a headspace of like, screw it. I don't really care anyway. So so I can get that. But at that time, there was no murder yet. Like, we don't know yeah. of the murder yet. So they're really like that danger of picking up a stranger, especially in the 40s was a lot less intense as it is today where it's like, yeah, you just don't do that anymore. Um, so, I mean, that was kind of, I, I didn't, I didn't mind that as much. It was really that it wasn't very random or did not feel, it felt way too convenient that she happened to be married to the club owner mm -hmm. that just puts everybody in the same world at the same time. And it was just too convenient. That was really my only issue. Big issue with this movie. Yeah. Um, bit coincidental yeah it was just too yeah. coincidental otherwise she would have been totally fine she didn't need to be married to the dude but that's the way it played out that's fine get it um the the two guys that pick him up uh outside the 
you know, his buddy's apartment. That one I'm okay with. Like I, that's like, I mean, you know, if, if the cops are coming to get you. Yeah, I guess it's desperation. You're going to go with them. Yeah. You know, he was going to turn himself in. When he left that room, I think he was going to turn himself in anyways. Like, I figured that's where his head was at. He'd already talked to, you know, his friends about it. But now he was a little, you know, put off because his friends thought that he would killed her. Yeah. And that pissed him off. You know, like, you guys are supposed to think the best of me. Like, their loyalty was superseded by by his own pride of I didn't do it. And so it irritated him that his friends thought that he might have or that he did. Because it was it would be understandable had he done it. Um so I I feel like his head when he leaves that room, he's going to go turn himself in anyway. So him getting into that car with these supposed cops wasn't going to be a big deal. Now, of course, we know that this is the guy that you know is trying to protect the blue dahlia we know that this is not the people he should be leaving with um you know before he does but he eventually figures it out and you know things don't go well but you know he eventually gets out of it and well that's an understatement isn't it really things don't go well (laughs) right a lot of blackjack hitting over the heads but, um, you know, I, th- at that point, though, once I think that's sort of where the break of Chandler's script happens is somewhere around when they get to that secluded location, they've got him tied up. I think the script was supposed to go in a completely different direction. I have a feeling the cops were supposed to be led there somehow and things were going to unfold differently. And then we were going to find out Buzz was the killer. Um, but things went back to the room at the blue Dahlia, And, and I just got, I got this feeling that that was going to happen differently. Hmm. Um, that that was sort of the moment where things sort of changed. Um, and Paramount, or I think it was, I can't remember who made the movie universal or Paramount, whoever it was, um, decided to say, no, the Navy doesn't want Buzz to be the killer. You're going to have to change that. Or maybe it was Chandler just having writer's block and did not have the end of the movie, whatever it might have been. I think that that was like that point, because that's where things started getting a little shaky, um, because that whole section really had zero purpose. It felt like it would have had great purpose, but... It felt like it was brewing for a really good climax, and then we suddenly just shifted off to another location. Right. Yeah. Right. And it, it just didn't, it didn't make it. Why did we kill off the guy that was the club owner? Why did we kill what, you know, there was no, there was no real purpose to any of it happening. Um, it just felt like, okay, I have to write another ending. This is how it's going to happen. So we'll just kill him there and then move on. Um, which is plot. It could happen, but it just didn't feel right. It felt like there was something that was done on purpose in order to get to our new ending kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but it still all kind of made sense and it still all kind of worked out. It's just one of those moments where you could tell had he had more time, he would have made it brilliant. I just really think he would have. Um, but, you know, even good films are not without their faults. So, you know, that's just that's just what it is. That's what we got. And I still think it's a classic. And I think uh, I think it's absolutely worth watching and owning. Um, and this is actually out there, I believe, on Blu-ray. Um, 
you know, you, you folks can get it to check it out. It's a good movie to have. My opinion. Carly's going to tear it to shreds here in just a minute, right? I never. <laughs> All right. Well, we're at that time anyway. So let's, we're, you know, you know, we're going to, we're going to have to give this some gins here. Right. How many gins are you giving it? I, I'm going to give this, uh, I'm, t- I'm torn. I want to give it a nine. <sighs> I want to, because I, I think it had that potential. Um, but I, I'm only going to give it an eight because uh, it's faults are there and it's obvious there, it has some obvious faults. Um, but I do think it's very entertaining. I think it's got a great setup. I think it has great characters. Um, I think the acting is great. I, I do agree with Chandler with Veronica Lake. I, I don't think she's horrible, but uh, compared I to other stuff, she's done. don't think a character really has a lot to do though either, to be fair. So that could be part of it. She's a bit of a boring character. Yeah. And I think that that was, again, maybe has to do with some rewrites. I feel like she probably had more to do mm. in the end, or at least she should have had more to do in the end, yeah. which is a fault of Chandler. So for him to, you know, fault her is sort of like, well, you know, you're both at fault. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't give her a, a, a anything to work role. with. Yeah. Right. Um, she's really just the new love interest. That's also doing the same thing his current wife was doing, which is messing around. So it didn't, you know, it didn't make her a good character to begin with, you know, cause he's just getting in league with another person that's going to screw him over or potentially could. Um, because, you know, that's what they say, you know, if once a cheater, always a cheater kind of thing. So, I mean, it's safe to say that she probably would end up being unhappy with him down the road. If that's who, you know, he ended up with. So, uh, you know, I don't know that that's a fault of the writing. That's a fault of, you know, maybe her acting, whatever it might be. But uh, I do give it, I'm going to give it eight out of uh, 10 gens. Cause I, I really do enjoy the movie. Um, I, even though it's black and white, the idea of the blue Dahlia um, flowers that he's sending and naming the club after, even though we don't spend any time in the club, my memory places us in the club a hell of a lot more than, we actually are in the movie, which is interesting. Um, but I just, I felt like it was just a good, good, well-rounded, interesting film. It definitely feels like a Chandler film. Um, you know, it's, it's got its intricate plot. It's got its great characters and it's um, focused on the right places. Um, everything is very personal um, to everybody involved. I just thought it was well, well-made. Very good. I know. It's my opinion. So it's always very good. Fabulous. Fabulous. (laughs) I broke my five streak. You did. You did. I'm going to give it six. Eight. Eight. Six. Stop whispering things that you're going to edit out later. Now, I nearly said eight then. It's not eight. It's I'm calling it and I'll give it to eight. Give it an eight. Don't mock me, Morris. With your phony British accent. <laughs> if you can say this if you ins- if you can say bollocks in a British accent, I'll give it whatever you want. Bollocks? No, oh my god, no. <laughs> wow. Bollocks. Bollocks. You sound bollocks. like you're saying bottle it. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> 
Bollocks. 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 That's buttlicks, Carly. Butlicks. But you said buttlicks then. Bollocks. 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 Oh my God, it's getting worse. We've gone for buttlicks. Moving to on. Bollocks. Buttocks. So I, I don't think you've been able to successfully say that. So I'm going to stick with six. You're fired. How could you give this movie a six? Because. There was just, I felt like there was a lot of missed opportunities, which now that you've explained the backstory, I understand. However. That doesn't make it a better film for you, but. No, no, I can understand it and appreciate it. But I I felt like when I was watching it, there was a lot of unevenness and missed opportunities. And there were some parts I really, really enjoyed of it. But then it just seemed to, as soon as I was getting into it, it just kind of slowed down. Mm. Um, Like I say, I really enjoyed any time that Buzz was on the screen because he made the film for me, but he shouldn't have made the film for me. It should well, it should I have mean, been maybe the lead characters or the uh, story and but uh, it wasn't. Uh, so. I don't know. I'm okay with the co-star stealing the show. I think it happens a lot. Yeah. I don't know. I think you're wrong. Yeah. I yeah. I like the flower being the trigger. Of it all, yeah. but then that didn't have a greater part to the rest of it, like you know, like you said, and I don't know, just there was just a piece of it that felt missing to me. Yeah, I mean, I can agree with that. I don't think it deserves a six. It deserves an eight, Carly. Come on. No. What did you? Would you give House on Ninety Second Street? Didn't you give it a I seven? Think I gave it a seven. God, you're killing well, me. Well, do you know what? I watched them one after the other, and sadly. I have to say that I enjoyed that film more than this one. I don't like you. Sorry. Why do you need that? I need a new. So. I need a co-star. I need a new co-star. Well, go and find one then. <laughs> Open auditions. Nobody's going to spend an entire hour out of their day talking to me about movies <laughs> that they don't like. <laughs> you never know. Craigslist. Craigslist. <laughs> <laughs> that could end up worse than this film. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, I could do an interview for the crime channel when you get murdered. (laughs) (laughs) How did it all start? (laughs) Well. (laughs) He seemed like a normal American. I mean, how would I ever say American like that? American! (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Well, there you have it. You've got an eight, the right number, and you've got a six. The wrong number. Do you know what? I think that you should do an entire show with a British accent. I don't think I could do that. It'll end up being like... Uh, American! Australian. <laughs> Everything I do, it tends to go Australian for some reason. And I can't even do that well. Austra- I mean, I have not heard one twinge of Australian in all the words you've tried to say. Yeah. But, no. Okay. I, well, I mean, because I'm trying really hard not to. <laughs> I'm not, it's not that I'm trying really hard to be British. I'm trying really hard not to be Australian. <laughs> you went, even went to say Australian in an Australian accent. Australian. Australian. <laughs> G'day, mate. <laughs> no, there, there is no good accent that I can do. I don't even do my own native <laughs> accent. I sound like a Muppet. <laughs> well, you're not getting hired by the FBI, are you? Nope. 
or Jim Henson. You've got to be able to do accents. You've got to go infiltrate people. Bag open, oh, bag out with my buttocks. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel, I feel like British is just leaving out every other letter. <laughs> I got, I'll go. <laughs> Can't even finish the word. <laughs> yeah, you don't even. You don't even it's like. It's like you guys are just trying to get through, you know, without saying it's lazy. But you're just trying to say it as fast as possible, and it just leaves. Yeah, because we're lazy as shit. So I mean, cut out the middle. <laughs> cut out but the But then middle, other man. words, you like you elongate other words like lazy as shit. Lazy shit. <laughs> like the dude from the wire. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, you guys are amazing. <sighs> Stop creeping. I feel like we're each of our com- countries are being sources of comedy for <laughs> for each other. You're creeping to all the British people that listen to this. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't. I'm fucking awful with this. I can't do. I'm as good as your French. <laughs> your French hey, was awful. My French. <laughs> was great i think you take i think carly thinks that her french was amazing and she takes offense to me calling her i french do um, very immensely not that i've ever been to france but <laughs> i i have done German. some uh, i have done some oh shit <laughs> frankenfarfen you sounded german <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> Nine! Crack and As close as I got to French was uh, doing some um, auditions for a movie. We had a woman come in that was French and she was very hard to understand. She actually was great. She's a great actress, but could not understand a word that she said. Oh, so she'd be great in a silent film then? <laughs> <laughs> no, like, like you could tell, like her emoting and her the way her her inflections and everything were great, but her accent was so, so thick that it just couldn't you couldn't understand what she was saying. We would have had to have subtitled. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have to subtitle me, so I mean, I can only imagine. <laughs> well, when we get the YouTube channel off the ground. Maybe we'll have to do that. Well, it'll be, you'll say things like bollocks and then the subtitles will have to put in the meaning in American. <laughs> I'm not even sure what the meaning in American is. American oh, English. God. We could have a whole separate YouTube channel explaining the words. <laughs> it's not a bad idea. Uh, I actually, I saw uh, somebody did some um, like college humor or whatever it is, like some comedy uh, YouTube video where I guess it's an American woman married to a British guy. And so the, he would say things like, uh, or she would say, can you put the car in the, gr- in the garage? And he's like, you mean the garage? <laughs> like shit like that. And like, it would just be like this back and forth of like her saying the American word and then him, you know, saying the British version of it. And it was just hilarious. <laughs> I got to find that for you. Cause uh, I feel like that's us sometimes, but yeah. 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 Do you know what a driveway is? A driveway is a parkway and a parkway is a driveway. All right, shut up, shall we? I know that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, one to Morris. <laughs> yeah. That's the only one that I know, probably. <laughs> Vitamins. <laughs> yeah. All right. <clears throat> That's it. That's the Blue Dahlia. 
Uh, Carly loved it. She gave it an eight. I also gave it an eight because it's an amazing movie. And uh, I hope that you guys check it out. Um, it's, you know, it's out there. You can get it on Blu-ray, I believe. Um, it's it's a fun movie. Um, it's another Chandler uh, escapade. And um, I think Carly's just mad that uh, Bogart's not in it. Maybe. Or maybe she's happy he's not because she doesn't like the film. But whatever. Carly doesn't matter. Oh, well, bloody charming. <laughs> I'm kidding. Carly matters. She's the star of the show. She's She's why you guys keep coming back and listening. Uh, we could definitely not lose her. Even though you're hiring, outsourcing for my role. <laughs> I was going to say, I am looking at this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. No, she's indispensable. We cannot lose Carly. She's too much fun. She's too much fun. And she teaches me British words, you know? So I do. that? <laughs> like? Like? What is it? Bollocks? Like bollocks. bollocks? We'll work on that. We'll work on that. <laughs> Bollocks, bollocks, or bollocks. I'll have you swearing like a British person in San Francisco in, you know, three to six months. <laughs> Maybe. Tell them we'll bugger off. That'll freak them out. I'll, I'll mispronunciate <laughs> everything, but, you know, I'll give it, give I'll it, give a, it a Just have a little try. light notepad. Just hold it up. <laughs> yeah. Give it a go. Get it a go. Get a go. Get, oh, God. Give it a go. <laughs> oh, get it a go. I feel like you've been watching Mary Poppins. <laughs> I might have. I'll, yeah. we actually, we watched. Uh, <laughs> we watched. We watched the Adams Family last night as a family, and um, my wife, or not my wife, my daughter, said that I think it was Gomez reminded her of. She goes, "That reminds me of the old dude that dances on the table in Mary Poppins," <laughs> <laughs> and she's, talk, she's talking about Dick Van Dyke in the remake at the end. <laughs> Just thought it was funny. <laughs> They were doing like the Mushka, the Russian dance thing. I don't know if you remember that movie at all. But oh, yeah, yeah actually. Yeah, I can see where she's coming from. Yeah, it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> Good movie. Anyway, there it is. Uh, we're well over our uh, our staying uh, staying time. I don't know. What do you call that? We're, we're, we're out. We're, we're out. out welcoming Alloc- allocated time slot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've worn out our welcome. <laughs> it's time to go. <sighs> this is a nightmare. All right, folks, we will see you next time. <laughs> Enjoy the madness. Or the bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> Not the bollocks. <laughs> bye. Bye bye. He's looking at you, kid. this week on the speakeasy noir cast make sure to visit our website resurrectionfilms.net where you can subscribe to the show in itunes stitcher or any of your favorite podcast apps so you'll never miss a show while you're at it if you found value in the show we'd appreciate a rating on itunes or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show that would help us out too if you like the show you might want to check out our book the dark side of acting up available now on amazon or you can check out one of our films available on amazon prime 